الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي أنزل الكتاب ولم يجعل له عوجا سبحانك ربي سبحانك ربي نستعيد ونستغفرك ونتوب إليك ونعوذ بك من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا إنه من يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونصلي ونسلم ونبارك على محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن اتبعوا بإحسان إلى يوم الدين We always begin in the name of Allah to whom we are grateful and we glorify and praise God and God's message and we pray for blessings and peace upon the Prophet Muhammad the carrier of the final message in the line of Abrahamic prophets throughout history. The message of monotheism and the truth of light and the guidance to humanity. Ya ayyuhal nas Ya ayyuhal nas qad ja'akum burhanun min rabbikum وأنزلنا إليكم نورا مبينا فأما الذين آمنوا وأتصموا به فسيدخلهم في رحمته فسيدخلهم في رحمة منه وفضل ويهديهم إليه صراطا مستقيما The words of the Quran are always as if a consolation and a guide to our hearts. The words of the Quran resonate through the ages and inshallah will continue to resonate, calling upon our innate nature and our intuitive senses. When Allah says, calling upon all people, Ya Yohannas, what was brought to you is clear proof from your Lord. Clear signposts, a clear method, and a clear message. وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكُمْ نُورًا مُبِينًا And what we have given you what God has given you is a light, is something luminous, something that is able to differentiate between wrong and right, between what is pure and impure, what is clean and unclean, what is moral and immoral. فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِاللَّهِ وَأَعْتَصَمُوا بِهِ فَسَيُدْخِلُهُمْ فِي رَحْمَةٍ مِّنْهِ وَفَضْلٍ فِي رَحْمَةٍ مِّنْهِ 
في رحمة منه وفضل ويهديهم إليه صراطا مستقيما So those who will hold steadfast in their lives to their Lord those who will persevere in holding steadfast to the Lord the mercy and compassion will be given to them from the Lord as a reciprocal act of grace and they will be guided to their Lord in a path of guidance in a straight path often if the words of the Quran fall upon a pure heart very few words are all that are needed to ignite the path of truth in a human being no great elaborations and no great discourses the simple call that this is the path of light it's like clean water if poured in a clean vessel it is the source of life and nourishment sadly however if clean water is poured in an unclean vessel it becomes the source of destruction possibly poison and harm the Quran when we say it addresses the intuitive nature it presumes that a human being has worked on purifying their intuition on keeping that intuition healthy and robust that is precisely why the words of the Quran if given to a psychotic intuition to a diseased intuition to a impure or deformed intuition it will not transform it simply by the mere fact of its revelation but in fact that intuition in the same way that it narcissistically absorbs everything to legitimate and justify itself and itself alone it will do so with the words of the Quran as well and will gain nothing from the revelation on the other hand an intuition that is healthy and that is pure will take the revelation of the Quran and elevate with it to a sirat al-mustaqim to a straight path this is the very nature of the created word words are very powerful but the same words that are used to praise the Lord 
and to build a relationship with Allah. Those are the very same words that people with diseased hearts can use for nefarious purposes like black magic, for instance. This revelation is a gateway, a gateway to the best of ourselves and also a gateway to the worst of ourselves. This is why, for instance, Imam Ali in one of his famous teachings, I'll read it first in Arabic, says, Aqilul Khabar Ida Samaatuh Aqlari Ayatin La Aqlari Wayatin Fainna Ruatil Ilm Kathir Waruatul Ilm Khalil when you hear a transmission, Imam Ali, radiallahu anhu, the cousin of the Prophet and the fourth caliph, and one of the greatest teachers of Islam, says that when you hear a transmission, when you hear a transmission, meaning when you hear a report attributed to the Prophet, receive it, receive it with your reflective intellect. Study it with your reflective intellect. Do not evaluate it simply or merely through its chain of transmission. And then he comments, those who transmit ilm, those who transmit knowledge, in other words, excuse me, those who memorize and parrot the knowledge, those who simply repeat like recorders or like computers, are many. There's no challenge in that. But those who are capable of studying and evaluating are few. This is also why This is also why in Al-Athar, in the Islamic traditions, among the things taught about the Prophet Dawood, the Prophet David that in his teachings, and this can be found in, in, in Tabari and can be found in Musnad Ahmad ibn Hanbal and in several other places, that among the things that he would teach is that a scholar who alienates human beings from their Lord, who says and interprets and produces things that alienate people from God, he compared that scholar to a highway robber or a pirate. Someone who comes in and yaqta tariq, someone who comes in and actually uh, 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 
literally like a highway robber, someone who comes in and, and, and interrupts the pathways between people and their Lord. Imam Ali radiallahu in one of his famous authority, in one of his famous uh, reports, says, Al-Faqih, Man lam yuqannit al-nas min rahmatillah, wa lam yuqissihum min rawhillah. A true faqih, a true jurist, is someone who does not make people despair from God's mercy, and that does not alienate people from the spirit of God, from the 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 a perfume of God, the light of God. In response to the previous khutbahs, alhamdulillah, I have received so many communications, so many messages, and tons of people are as if in a state of anxiety and worry. How is it that we are supposed to rely on our intellect? And how is it that we are supposed to rely on our fitra? And are you saying that we throw all scholarship from the countries of despotism and hypocrisy and so on? To be clear, I am not. I am not. I'm, I am not saying that you throw away everything. But I am saying simply what the Prophet said: that the backbone of a Muslim is their sense of reason and rationality and intellect that as the Prophet said, your biggest mufti is your heart, not Sheikh so-and-so and Sheikh so-and-so. Listen to all knowledge, seek all knowledge, pursue all knowledge. But as you assess knowledge, Assess where it's coming from. Assess the moral character of your teacher. If your teacher is someone who is in bed with those in power, if your teacher or if the source of knowledge is someone who participates in the oppression of others, if your teacher is part, is a, aids and abets in legal language, aids and abets despots and exploitation and oppression, then it is your duty 
Well, one, it's your duty to, to investigate your sources. That's what a rational human being does, investigates their sources. Two, you can't divorce a human being from their conduct. If your teacher is aloof or refuses to get their hands dirty with the mechanisms of oppression and despotism, then that's probably someone that you can trust. But if it is a person that who is in bed with oppressors and despots, then that is probably someone you should be cautious about and in fact skeptical about everything that comes out of their mouths. It's a matter of credibility. Assessing credibility is a conscientious obligation upon you as a Muslim because you will be held responsible before Allah for your failure to be conscientious when there was a reason to be so. So if you come on the final day and you say, well, I relied upon Sheikh such and such and such, and Allah and the Malakut al-A'la, the heavens, say, well, didn't you know that Sheikh such and such and such has helped in the oppression of such and such people, has been unjust or, or aided the injustice of such and, against such and such people, and you are deemed negligent in your obligations to know, in the legal standard we say whether you've known or should have known. So if you've known or should have known, and if you should have known and you did not discharge your obligations, you will be held responsible. It is not. All of it is common sense. All of it is the same aql that Allah has given us, endowed, ingrained in us. We do not dismiss any scholarship. But when we evaluate scholarship, we evaluate the text, we evaluate the context of the text, and we also evaluate the transmitter of the text and what their track record is. So we know, we don't have time to become scholars ourselves, or all of us don't have time to become scholars. So the least you can do is to be conscientious in picking which scholars to consider people of authority in your life. But when all is said and done, You have to use that gift that Allah gave you. And remember, every intellect, every intellect is unique. And the uniqueness of your intellect is part of the plurality and diversity, the miracle of plurality and diversity that Allah has created. Remember that Allah says that if Allah would have willed, people would not have been different. But Allah created them to be different. So the fact that you think in ways 
that don't mirror what others reflect upon is not a bad thing. That's what creates richness. That's the proof of divinity, that diversity, that plurality. This is precisely why, as I said in the last khutbah, that as the Prophet taught that the most secure people in the Aqsar al-Nasi Amanan Yawm al-Qiyamah Aqsarahum Fikra that the, the people most secure in the hereafter are the most thoughtful in the here now. It is, and I repeat it because of how unusual it is for contemporary Muslims, sadly, that for a Muslim, thinking and reflecting is an Islamic obligation, is a solemn obligation that you are actually rewarded for. And if you are not a thinking and reflecting human being, if you're like a robot that follows habit and tradition unthinkingly without reflecting upon what is just and unjust, what is beautiful and what is ugly, what is humane and inhumane, then you will be held responsible for that in the hereafter. That is your obligation. Now, of course, the question that you always get, and that I've got tons of, how can I trust my intellect and how I can trust my intuition? Well, number one, build your relationship with Allah. At a minimum, pray and fast and pay sadaqah. Because if you don't do this minimum, then you really don't have a relationship that allows you to evaluate and filter Islamic knowledge. If you don't pray and fast and pay alms, you might have a relationship that allows you to filter secular knowledge that allows you to filter philosophic knowledge that has nothing to do with Islamic philosophy. But if you are in the field of evaluating Islamic knowledge, i.e. Quran and Sunnah and Fiqh, these are the alpha, this is the alphabet. These are the rules of the game. Second, as the Prophet said, make your tongue moist bizikrillah. That your 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 tongue should be moist with Allah's remembrance. The more you remember Allah, the more your fitrah and your intellect will be in a position to evaluate from a perspective that makes you Islamically comfortable and serene and tranquil. And third, 
never assume that in fact you do know. Because true ignorance, as we talked about in the last khutbah, is to say, I know. But all you can say is that for me, right now, in my position, this does not sit well with my conscientious thinking and so I cannot perform something that does not sit well with my conscientious thinking. Ever, as long as your salah is okay, and, and believe me, you can spend your entire life just working on your salah, but people, you know, try to take shortcuts. And you work diligently at building a relationship with Allah. In, in effect, what you are doing is you're taking a conscientious pause as to yourself. You're not going out and telling people what, what Allah wants them to do. But when it comes to deciding your affairs, taking, taking hold and taking account of your own autonomy and sovereignty as a human being, you cannot do something unless your intellect and heart are persuaded. And don't force them into persuasion if they are not persuaded. Be honest enough to say, I don't buy this. It's not making sense to me. And so, I will continue praying on it. That's all you can say. And it's no one else's business. You have the right to tell people, if it makes the sense to me, Allah will know that, and this is between me and Allah. The most important thing is, as the Prophet ﷺ said, that if you don't recognize evil, at least at a minimum, with your heart, then we are in serious trouble. So when you see a genocide and your heart doesn't move, because the genocide is recognizable to all human beings of all faiths, of all races, there are musallamat, there are things that Allah has created, like the building blocks of mercy, that address all human beings, regardless of their language, regardless of their culture, regardless of their religion. These preemptory norms of morality, these basic norms of morality, at a minimum, must speak to your heart or we are in serious trouble. If you see refugees starving and freezing in the cold and you go to bed every night and never think of them and never think of the children who are dying every day or the children who, gets, who get abducted and trafficked because they're refugees or if you go about your life unperturbed by the children who are separated from their parents at the border and lost in the system and many of them end up in foster care and then end up being trafficked for the pedophile and pornograph children pornography mills. If you watch this story or you read the story and your heart is not troubled, then that's where we have a serious problem. That is why the Prophet ﷺ said the, 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 the kernel of Iman, 
is that your heart recognizes what's wrong and what is right. All the Islamic knowledge in the world, all the fiqh in the world, all the Quran of memorization in the world will do you nothing if you as a human being can read that young people were tortured to give confessions and then upon being tortured and confessing they were executed as happened in Egypt a couple of weeks ago and that doesn't bother you then I can tell you all your fiqh, all your theology, all your, it's worthless. Because before anything, we're moral human beings. If you read that someone was tricked into giving his a man somewhere and then assassinated and had his body dissolved in acid, and you say, ah, what's the big deal? Then all the knowledge in the world is worthless because you are a dirty vessel. You are a dirty vessel. It doesn't matter what pot water I you pour into the dirty vessel, that water will become dirty in, in turn. And you need to get busy working at developing a sense of morality to clean up your vessel so the purified water of Quranic light can enter your heart and invigorate your soul and transform your life. Without that purification, that basic sense of morality, it's a non-starter. سبحان الله العلي العظيم والصلاة والسلام على محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه ونتقوا بالحسان إلى يوم الدين We as Muslims are living through trying times there is no question But the first thing that was compromised in our collective existence as Muslims is our ethical conscientiousness. And in my theological outlook, Allahu A'lam, the loss of an ethical conscientiousness takes you out of the field in terms of receiving Allah's grace and receiving Allah's aid and receiving Allah's blessings. I'll give you one example. We all know what have happened to the Bosnian Muslims, the genocide committed against the Bosnian Muslims in the 90s the horrible rape camps, the horrible suffering of the Bosnians. At the time, all of us wanted to believe never again. But Islamophobia exploded, 
And next we have the genocide against the Rohingya Muslims, which is as horrific and sometimes even more so. But because the Rohingyas are Bengalis or Bengali origin, dark-skinned, no one cared. The truth. Because they're skinny and look like the maids that work in the Gulf, the Filipino and Indian and Bengali, Bangladeshi maids, no one cared. But then next, the Uyghur Muslims, among the oldest Muslims in the world, millions of Muslims with an amazingly rich culture and intellectual tradition, and also a very rich ethical tradition. Some of their writings on the relationship and interactions between Buddhism and Islam is mind-boggling and beautiful. Beautiful. The Chinese government starts gathering them in concentration camps. They call them re-education camps in which hundreds, if not thousands, are perished and are tortured. And the stories about the Rohingyas being the, 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 uh, uh, the, the Uyghur Muslims being banned from practicing Islam, not allowed to pray, not the mosques turned down, the families broken up and separated, etc., etc., are just horrendous. But because we have an Islamophobe in the White House, the White House doesn't care. But if we can understand Trump's bigotry and racism, because he is a bigot and racist, how can we make sense of the symbolic, symbolic leader of the Muslim world, the so-called guardian of the holy sites? or the, his, the crown prince, MBS, who goes to China and when asked about the plight of the Uyghur Muslim says, well, China has a right to protect itself against terrorism and fight extremist thought. Anyone that doesn't respond to this at the level of basic morality, did, if a conscientious ruler would be briefed on the suffering of people, and he would read the, the many stories of suffering by the Uyghur Muslims and say, I, I, I can't face my God, I haven't said anything about this or done anything about it. But when you have someone who claims to be the caretaker of the holy sites and his fuqaha, and for me, what interests me more are his fuqaha, more than him, go and validate the extermination of millions of Muslims in China and his fuqaha say wonderful then you come to me and say oh this fuqih tells me to wear hijab my first question to you is why are you even bothering listening to this fuqih why do you care what this fuqih says regardless of even if he tells you anything wear hijab not wear hijab do this do that this is someone who is Aunun al-Zalimeen, 
is an evader and and aids and abets unjust rulers. They have no standing, no credibility to speak to you or to any Muslim with a conscience. That is what I'm calling for. It's not rocket science, it's basic morality. Would the Prophet come today and say, you ask your heart, forget what Hamasi says about his idiotic story about Khalid ibn Walid and blah 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 and all that nonsense. Would the Prophet come today and look at the murder of someone like Khashoggi and his, his, his dilution in, in, in acid and say, oh, that's Islam? Do you really believe that? And if you do, then why are you a Muslim? Because being a Muslim then would be an immoral thing. Would the Prophet say it's okay to exterminate millions of Muslims in China? Would the Prophet say, oh, ignore the genocide against the Rohingyas? Would the Prophet say it's okay to torture a bunch of 20 years old and, and convict them of a crime and then put them to death for a crime, for a murder? Everyone knows that it is the government itself that has committed, the, the government itself killed the state prosecutor because he, they didn't like, it was a political dispute, and then went around executing their opponents. Would the Prophet agree when Dar al-Iftah al-Masriya issues a fatwa, issues a statement basically saying, well, you know, whether they're guilty or not, it doesn't really matter because it, 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 it is fair game to kill the Ikhwan wherever you find them. Is that the religion of Muhammad If your answer is yes to any of these, then you, then it would be immoral to be a Muslim. And that is what I can't stand for. I will close this khutbah with this. Imam Ali radiallahu an, in his many valuable teachings, says, من نصب نفسه للناس إماما فليبدأ بتعليم نفسه قبل تعليم غيره وليكن تأديبه بسيرته قبل تأديبه بلسانه فمعلم نفسه ومؤدبها أحق بالإجلال من معلم الناس ومؤدبهم الإمام علي رضي الله عنه says Whoever takes the position of being an imam, whether any type of imam, especially these imams that you see in mosques and Islamic centers all over the, the, the West, let them start by educating themselves before even aspiring to educate others. And let them start by building their own ethical being. And give an example by action, not by words. For as Imam Ali says, a teacher of the self, a teacher of the self, is worthy, is more worthy of admiration than someone who pretends to teach people.
the highest form of teaching is teaching the self. If you want to assess any imam, teacher, faqih, scholar, look at their conduct. Look at their, 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 their moral orientation. Do they start with themselves or do they start with others? Do they see fault in themselves before seeing fault in others? Are they given, are they endowed with that beautiful aura of humility and shyness? Or are they arrogant and aggressive? Are they eager to put them, their own self in its place? Or are they eager to put other human beings in their place? Do they claim knowledge more often or do they admit ignorance more often? Do they fit the bill of being first and foremost educators of themselves? In other words, they educate the I. Or do they fit the bill of being those who try to educate others? Because all the first options, the humility, the shyness, are they obsessed with seeking knowledge or are they obsessed with spewing out knowledge? Do you see them most often studying or do you see them most often blabbing? If it's all in the first categories, the humility, the shyness, the, the seeking of knowledge, the, the self-educators, as Imam Ali teaches us, then that is someone that you don't, you don't blindly obey, but is worthy, worthy of your respect and worthy of an assumption of credibility until proven otherwise. If they are not, if they are the opposite, then they are not worthy of your respect and they are not deserving of an assumption of credibility. In fact, the assumption should be the opposite. I'm not gonna, you don't even have the very basics for you to qualify as an imam or a faqih or a teacher. Not because, uh, you know, whatever degrees you have, but it's because of your conduct. If you have an imam, for instance, regardless of how much Quran he, he, he recites or how many hadiths he throws at you, or a minute, if you look at him and you see that he marries women and abuses them one after the other, as if they are commodity, then shame on you, shame on you, if you learn a single word from him. Then shame on you. Then simply, you don't have the moral character. When you know how to treat women, then we can talk about whether what you know and you don't know. But because you don't know how to treat women, your ethical care, you, you, you can be my accountant, you can be my lawyer, but you cannot be my imam. In the
اللهم اصلح لنا ديننا الذي هو عصمة أمرنا واصلح لنا دنيانا التي فيها معاشنا واصلح لنا آخرتنا التي فيها معادنا اللهم انصر الإسلام وعز المسلمين وارفع بفضلك كلمة الحق والدين وهدنا واصلح حالنا يا رب العالمين الله we pray for guidance and for wisdom and for reason. Allah grant us the straight path and light from you and the inspiration to light our path and end these dark, this dark age that we live in. Ya Rabbal Alameen. Bring back the calling, the pure and loving calling of Islam to its proper place. We beseech you and beg of you and forgive our sins and guide us. Welcome to Salah. 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 Salah